Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how was Mother's Day yesterday? Oh, so good, Lyle. <laughs> so enjoyable. Because you've got an amazing mum, right? Oh, yeah, I love my mum so much. And it was really good to spend time with her... We talked a little bit before the show about my uh, dining experience yesterday. I don't want to get into it too much, but it was a bit... It wasn't the highlight. It was not. It was It was very much the low light. But your mum was the but highlight. my mum is just great. And spending time with like the rest of my family as well. It's really good. That's fantastic. So it was awesome. Actually, yeah. better than that, what we didn't talk about, you know, because we're talking about Mother's Day, like this, you know, before we got on air. Because me and Lyle are friends, right? So we yeah. catch up, talk about stuff. But what I didn't tell you about, what I'm really grateful for from the weekend as well, is we had a sports night for my church on Saturday night. Oh, cool. So, like, you know, the sun goes down, we all head over. Um, we Usually we head to the Newcastle Uni. They have, like, the cola there, which is, like, you know, just the, the oval and the underground section where we play basketball. But we were fortunate enough to be um, given for free uh, to be able to use the facilities at the Macquarie College School which they have, like, an Olympic-level gymnasium oh, wow. and tennis courts there. And it was l- just the biggest play. It was, like, the best thing ever. It was literally the best sports night I've ever been to. It was incredibly high-quality sports night. Um, and a bunch of people from the uni came, and it was it was just amazing. So, yeah, I had an overall, I had a great what, weekend. What sport were you playing? Um, So, we played, like, uh, volleyball, basketball, you know, indoor soccer, Table tennis, badminton, all that stuff. I mostly play volleyball. Volleyball's like my favorite. Uh, volleyball's ball awesome. I Dude, love volleyball. It's so it's the good. Best. Basketball, I'm too short. Like, I'm just not good at it. But volleyball, like, I just play like center. And yes. so I can just run around everywhere. It's great. Yeah, I've never been, never got into basketball myself, but I used to love volleyball when I was at school and I've played it once or twice since. It's always been good. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. No. Oh, I just want to ask you real quickly, yes. how, was, how was your weekend? My weekend was amazing. We had Mother's Day. We've got two mothers in our family right now. Oh, that's so One epic. mother that has two kids and one mother that has one on the way. So yeah, no kids. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> no. Well, it depends, how you, depends how you define, define that. Yes. Yep. Yep. Mm. No kids outside the womb yet. Yes. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it was just awesome. Uh, my son and daughter-in-law and grandchild-to-be came over, went out for a meal last night. Oh, epic. Um just to make all of the other fathers out there feel like losers, I got up early and made, well, kind of made hot breakfast. <laughs> Shell helped me. Okay, so Shell helped me, all right? I peeled the potatoes. I peeled the potatoes. <laughs> that is so funny. That is so classic. Yeah, I peeled the potatoes. I made and hot the onions. breakfast. And I mean, the onions. I mean, I mean, Shell helped me cook. I mean, I peeled the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and... And the onions. See, I did. I did all the crying with the onions. <laughs> so you know, sacrifice. That <laughs> nah, was good. It was a good day. Look, look, Shell. Shell is appreciating it. She's laughing in the studio too. And, and, I, and, and, and I put in speakers so that we now have music right through the house. Oh, epic! Okay, that's actually cool. Like, yeah. I would appreciate that. She appreciates that. I would appreciate that. Good. Stuff. And that involved crawling in the dirt while it was raining and wet. Um, oh. Underneath the house, where there's about 300 millimeter to run cables, 300 millimeters of breathing space, and having and dirt did, in my you, hair, you did and this dirt yesterday. in my ears, was major sacrifice. 
Dude, I'm so glad that you made Mother's Day all unless, about unless you. A man, unless a man would have died. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> all right. Oh, so. No, nah, my wife is amazing. I am married to the best wife on the planet. She is the best mother I have ever come across. And uh, she's just a fantastic mother to our two boys and going to be a fantastic grandmother soon. That is so epic. Man, you're really pulling yourself out of that hole. Let's get some positively different news. Let's do it. Okay, so Lyle, I'm about to tell you something that is going to seem really... I don't I don't know where you're at in terms of your knowledge of electronics and how they work, but it might seem a little bit underwhelming at first, but given our global context and what's currently going on, this is massive. All this right. is huge. So essentially... Well, hang in there. Engineers at Duke University... Mm-hmm. in the United States, mm-hmm. have created, have 3D printed a fully recyclable recyclable transistor. Right. A computer transistor. Mm-hmm. This is massive, Lyle. Okay. For a couple of different reasons. Right. Lyle, please, listeners, please hear me out. This is really important because we are currently uh, in one of the biggest silicon shortages in history. And it's affecting cool. every single industry, including the automotive industry. Like, firstly, the computing industry, but also the automotive industry. So, basically, transistors and computer components, the ones that make power, essentially, um, are non-renewable. Yes. And non-recyclable. Yes. Because they get used and they get worn out. And they go into landfill. And they go into landfill. We have so much e-waste. And what has made that exponentially worse is the practice of uh, Bitcoin and, you know, uh, cryptocurrency mining. So for those who don't know what cryptocurrency mining is, essentially... Mining zeros and ones. Mining zeros and ones, and you can get pieces, small chunks, and which turn, uh, eventually turn into big chunks of cryptocurrency from it. Now, what this requires is incredibly beefy, like machines and what this has done is because now people have worked out that oh it'll cost me less to buy the components to be able to do this in the past we it was just like people just simply didn't have the power to make money off it whereas now it's like oh i can buy retail computer parts that will give me the ability to do this which has meant that basically like all particularly graphics cards all like computer graphics cards are currently out of stock there's this huge chip the chips in the graphics cards themselves, which go into cars, airplanes, everything, are just out of stock worldwide. In fact, I bought a computer last year. So we're going to have to go back to mechanical things? I don't, I don't know. But, like, as in the problem is... Would this is, be bad? Sorry? Would this be bad? What? If we went back to mechanical things? Yes. Well, then, like, okay, I don't know if your Suzuki Alto would run if it didn't have <laughs> computer chips in it. Lyle? I reckon that I could make it run off a carby. Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I could. Oh, okay. Well, no, but Lyle, listen, this is, this is important stuff, right, Lyle, right, because right, right, this, right, this affects right, everything. Right, Literally, yes. we're looking at a screen broadcasting to the world here at Faith Ooh, FM. This affects good point. us. Good point. This affects everyone, our phones, everything. Yes. Because uh, they, what they haven't run into yet is an actual shortage of silicon itself, but the ability, like, they've just completely run out of chips and they're trying to make more and make more and make more. But ultimately, what they face in the future is that run out of silicon which means that they can't create any you know computer chips which means that they can't do anything like literally our world would collapse if we ran out of silicon and we couldn't make more electronics out the world as we know it would collapse okay the world as we know it would collapse um because yeah i'll 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 take issue with that for a moment okay so here's a number here's an interesting scenario Mm. 
um, non-renewable resources like fossil fuels and silicon and those mm-hmm. kinds of products have never been under threat until the Industrial Revolution followed by the uh, Information Revolution in which we are in right now. Mm. And so what's interesting is if you look at the project, the, the trajectory of the world is that if the, world, if the history of our world is to continue, mm-hmm. you know, just continue and, and the Lord isn't to come back, mm-hmm. then in 100, 200 years from now, of course, all of those non-renewable resources will be gone. Yeah. And once they're gone, the entire industrial age and the entire information age will just be a blip in the history of our world. So the world will be basically the same and then it'll have this blip and it'll be basically the same. But check it out, Lyle. This is the point of my article that I'm reading. Engineers at Duke University have created renewable, recyclable transistors. There you go. This is important. This yes. is so recyclable, important. This is, recyclable is good. I'm doing my best to convince you, Lyle, about how important this is because this affects our world so much. I don't know. Listen, guys, maybe you're sitting there and you don't really care and you're like, oh, well, if all the well, electronics... Well, was a very much a simpler place yeah. once in the past. Mm-hmm. And what I think is if the, the world went back to being a simpler place, we would carry a lot of information that we have right now with us into that simpler mm-hmm. world which would mean that it would not be as um, harsh as it used to be, but still simpler. Yeah, but there would be no Faith FM. <laughs> That'd be a bit sad. <laughs> All right, let's keep Faith, Faith FM yeah, going. So keep, keep, um, we've keep, got keep recyclable transistors. Yes, now. this is important. This is important. Let me, okay, let me just move on. I have about a minute left. Let me just talk about something else that's actually really cool too, uh, about you know wildlife conservation. So check it out. Um, this is actually insane. The U.S. government has is has written a, a, a sizable grant to support foundations who are going through and clearing landmines uh, in the Limpopo Transfrontier Park. Now, if you don't know what the Limpopo French Transfrontier Park is, it is like the biggest wildlife conservation area in the world. It covers, you know, parts of South Africa, Mozambique, and Zimbabwe. And essentially, because of the, you know, the different uh, revolutionary and, and uh, wars that have happened in uh, Zimbabwe, there was landmines put everywhere. Like a, yes. a, a, approximately 20,000 landmines spread all over this area. Uh, but the US government has written a grant to support the organization. It's a Dutch organization called Apopo. And they're going through and basically sweeping the land and getting rid of all these landmines, protecting endangered animals as well as people. And so I read this and I was like, that's crazy. Like, you know, especially coming from the US government as well, writing. I think landmines should be in the same category as hollow point bullets. They shouldn't be around for Mm -hmm. walk purposes of warfare. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right, Lyle, what's going on? News around the world. Okay, so this story is coming out of the United States and the Lutheran Church, coming out of the Lutheran Church, they've just elected their very first ever transgender bishop. Oh, Now, this is actually a first for a mainline Protestant church in the United States. Uh, this person's name is Megan Roa, uh, pastor of the Grace Lutheran Church in San Francisco. Probably not super surprising for it to come out of California, a place like San Francisco. Mm. Um, and this person is a well-known street activist for LGBT uh, rights and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, I guess the kind of person who would be 
probably quite eligible to be elected to this kind of a position. Um, this person's also made numerous appearances on uh, Queer Eye, um, articles, feature articles in Cosmo and Time magazine, and so a fairly ho- high-profile activist within the LGBT plus community and now becoming the very first ever trans bishop in the United States. And my my question is, is, what's her faith background? Lutheran. Lutheran. Okay, yes. yeah, but in terms of, has this person like studied theology? Like, uh, Yes, there was. Uh, she went to three different um, universities and finished her degree at Berkeley because in the first two okay. universities that this person studied at, uh, they felt that they were being uh, persecuted for their, well, they started off as being um, lesbian before they came out as being trans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she stated, we need to be as loud and as angry as the people who want to declare that there are types of people God can't love. Which is an interesting statement, and I want to take issue with that statement because I want you, I, I want somebody to tell me who is there out there anywhere saying that there are people that God can't love. Mm. Have you ever met anybody that no. says there are groups of people that oh, God can't love? Y- yes, you have? but they're very fringe. I I met like within the Christian community. I met a person one time. I've never met anyone okay, that fringe. I met a person knocking on doors who was essentially. Uh, they're like uh, they believed in like KKK white supremacist theology. Wow! They were like like full uh, in Australia. Yes, in Australia, um, like up here in the Newcastle area, knocking on doors, and they explained to me their understanding of theology, which was like as soon they started saying a couple things, and I put it together in my head, and then they started explaining, you know, their their ideas of you know beast races and all this stuff, and I was like, this is terrible. Like this is. Awful. But, yeah, they were, like, full on. So you have actually have met one of these kind of people? I've met one of these people. But they're probably in the same category of people who believe in, you know, lizard people and so forth. Yeah, a well. hundred. Like, these people aren't the typical people who go to church either. Like, I, I doubt that this person attends church. Yes. Because when you're so fringe like that, like, no one agrees with you. Yes. So why would you attend a church when no one agrees with you? There isn't a KKK church here in Australia. There no. isn't a white supremacist church here in Australia. If any of that existed, that would be immediately shut down. Yes. Like, so this person, yeah, is so fringe. Yes, they're a believer in God, and I put God up there in quotations. Not in the believer in the God that you and I believe no, in, but... Yeah. No, but these people in, in the, the most limited sense ever... Do exist. Okay, and this is my issue with this statement right here because the statement makes it appear like as if this is common belief amongst Christianity. Yeah, the, the Christian community, you know, you and me sitting here on radio speaking to those listening who might be Christian or non-Christian, but, yeah, that there's a group of us who think that, oh, yeah, God doesn't love people. Yeah, God can't love trans people, God can't love, you know, gay people, something like that. I, You know, you've met one person, I've knocked on thousands of doors in my life, mm. spoken to large congregations, and I've never met one yeah, wow. who takes this particular stand. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, why, are, why have this discussion? Why even make a statement like that? You know, as ang- we need to be as angry as the people who want to declare that there are types of people that God you can't love. These people basically don't exist. And then you know what's crazy about that? As like the bishop of a Lutheran church, Yet you're calling at you're you're giving a bad name to your congregation. You know we believe here at Faith FM that you know 
the, like these things. We we talk about these kinds of things, like you know, sexual abuse in the church and all this stuff. These things need to be called out. But you're you're creating a demographic that doesn't exist to badly like to give a bad name for your own beliefs. It's it's quite bizarre. That's crazy. It's like the worst straw man argument I've ever come across. But you know, looking at the history of uh, the ordination of pastors and bishops and so forth. The, uh, Gene Robertson was the first uh, gay bishop. Um, he was orde- um, elected in the Anglican Church back in New Hampshire in 2003. Uh, Drew Phoenix uh, was the first trans pastor, um, somebody who came out as being trans in 2007 in the Methodist Church and remained as a pastor. Um, the Anglican Church approved uh, trans uh, ordination in 2012 and uh, the first Methodist deacons were ordained in 2017. What's interesting is that uh, this person has been made the bishop over 180 congregations and 36,000 people. Now, when you... And and their first priority is to root out bias in the church and the community. Mm -hmm. Now, here you've got a church that has 3.3 million members as of today in the United States. Yes. Current projections since 2009 when they changed their positions on sexuality, mm-hmm. if you look at current membership projections from that day to this, if the membership of the Lutheran Church continues at its same trajectory, uh, then by 2041 it won't exist. Oh, yikes. It will have 16,000. It will go from 3.3 million members to 16,000 people sitting on church pews, which is not enough across the United States to keep it alive by 2041. So we're talking about a church that is just bleeding people, bleeding members. Catastrophically. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians we need to learn from this because when you make the Bible irrelevant, then what is the point of being a Christian? If you're going to come along and say, well, the Bible is meaningless... How can you actually be a Christian? And this is what's happening in your mainline Protestant churches in the United States is that across the board, your Anglican church, your Lutheran church, uh, your Methodist church, their numbers and their membership is just crashing at a catastrophic level. Mm. Now, the Bible says, you know, by their fruits you shall know them. The Bible gives Gamaliel's test. And the Bible, you know, Gamaliel's test, is very very simple. If this is of God, mm-hmm. you can't stop it. If it is of not of God, it will fail by its by itself. Yes. And so we ask ourselves the question: Is this of God? Well, the Bible is very clear on that. Obviously not, because mm-hmm. there's you know a number of very clear statements. Not a lot. The Bible doesn't have a lot to say about it, mm-hmm. uh, but it does address these issues very very clearly. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible says it's not of God. But now we have the evidence that it's not of God. Because these churches won't exist. If you take a church like our church, for instance, I take the opportunity here to give it a, a, a quick promo, that's growing by 12%, mm. then you've got uh, an example of you know those churches that are remaining uh, with the Bible on mm. these kinds of issues. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. And joining me on the phone this morning is Bruce Hopper. And Bruce is 
somewhere, I don't know where, but he's not at home because he's out and about involved in something, riding his bike. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. Bruce, tell us, where are you right now? You know, that's a really good question. We have just rolled out of Tamora and we're heading to Young. We're halfway between those two places. We're at a locality that has grain silos and a CWA hall, and someone's managed to get us a key so that we can access the hall and their toilet. So I'm not sure this place has a name. Right. Four houses, right on the railway line. <laughs> somewhere somewhere <laughs> on the railway right line between Tamora and Young in, uh, I Correct. guess, southwest New South Wales. What are you doing out there? Yeah, so look, I have joined the Bible Society's Bike for Bible ride. Um, so we're doing 800 kilometres over seven days, and today is day four. Um, so we left Bathurst, and we're doing a, basically a round loop. We're Bathurst to Canoundra, from Canoundra to Grenfell, Grenfell to Tamora. That's where we are now. Oh, then tomorrow we're going to Burrowa, Burrowa up to Cowra, doing a Wangla Dam loop on Friday, and then Saturday we're hauling Cowra back up to Bathurst. That sounds like a fantastic event and a great cause to be writing for. So tell us, um, yeah. tell, before we sort of get into the, uh, the, I guess, the nuts and bolts of the ride, because I want, I want to hear about the ride as well, but yep. um, Bike for Bibles, what does this accomplish? Yeah, so this is the Bible Society, um, and they've been doing Bike for Bibles since the mid-80s, they've been hearing. Um, and over those years, apparently there's been $15 million raised. We've raised about $34,000 so far on this trip. And it's for literacy, um, apparently it's always for literacy, and this today's ride, well this week's ride, we're raising funds for women's literacy in Pakistan. That's a really important uh, thing to be raising money for, particularly yeah. in a country like that where the literacy rate amongst women is not as high as what we would expect it it's might be. It's really low, and of course as we know, low literacy, low kind of things means you get stuck in poverty and it's really hard to break out. And I guess also from the mum's perspective, you can then model to your kids. And so hopefully lifting families out of, you know, poverty and I guess being able to be subjected to abuse more because you just don't know what's going on. And it's also one of those countries, I mean, we talk to uh, Etienne McClintock regularly from Voice of the Martyrs and Pakistan features very regularly yep. as one of the most dangerous countries in the world to be a Christian. And so when Christian organisations can make a very positive difference, a positive influence in a country like this, it can only be a good thing. So this yeah. sounds like a fantastic uh, a fantastic thing to be involved in. Okay, so you get out and you ride your bike, yep. bi- bike around. How do you go about raising the uh, the money, the sponsorship, the all yes, of that kind of thing? Yeah, so we're all paying our own expenses and we're all sleeping in church halls all over the place. And that's been really interesting looking at all the different denominations and etc. etc. because we're all from a whole heap of different um, denominational backgrounds. But yeah, so we all are all individually, got you know, literally if you go to Bible study, um, biblesociety.com.au slash for Bibles, there's a fundraising page there where people can donate tax deductible. Um, and so that's how we're raising funds to, yeah, help these women in Pakistan. Okay, so you've raised 34 grand uh, this trip, which is, that's not an insignificant amount, and by the time it gets over to Pakistan, it's going to be very significant. Uh, yep. How many people involved in, how many people involved in the ride so far? Yeah, so we've got about, about 20 cyclists. We're split into three packs. We've got a 
crazily fast pack, which I did for the first two days, and I've gone, I can't do this any longer. I've got a middle-sized speed, and the middle-sized speed is just beautiful for me. It's kind of the Goldilocks zone for me. And then we've got a, a, um, a group that are going a bit slower. Um, yeah, but we're from all over the place, not just New South Wales, we're from all over the place. Um, yeah, and then we've got, like, one, two, okay, we have morning cheese, sorry, there's one, two, three, four, five. We have five support cows with us, um, including an amazing cook who's just funding, feeding us at all the different stops. But we're also being funded from, um, sorry, meals. We've had meals at a whole heap of different congregational groups. Um, we were with the Lutheran group last night. Um, we were with a Anglican group the night before. So, yeah, all the different halls and different places. And, yeah, the meeting the locals and having, you know, evening Bible studies with them and, yeah, engaging with their community and they're engaging with us. That is absolutely amazing. What an adventure you have uh, embarked on. Is this something that uh, you've done before or heard about before? No. Was it something that was on your bucket list? How did you get involved? Yes, silly bucket list. Look, I sort of remember back in the 80s when the Seventh-day Adventist Church used to have a big camp up at Byron Bay. I think I remember a group riding up into their bike for Bibles, and for some reason I think I can remember yellow shirts. And I remember that from way back, and I went, oh, I wonder what if, you know, it'd be nice to do something like, and I looked it up and went, oh, it's in May. Oh, but where we're riding through, like my dad was born in Tamora, so we literally stayed half a block up from where he was born, so I found that last night. We're riding to where my mum was born in Burrowers this afternoon. My grandparents' farm was in Cowra, and I started school down in Cootamundra, which is on 100k south. So this is kind of family area, if that makes sense. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is very cool. And I guess I'm assuming that uh, they do different locations each time. They do a different kind of area. Yeah, so it can it can literally rotate out wherever, wherever, wherever. Look at the map and go, yeah, yeah, we can go from here to there this time, or a loop, or a straight through. They've done a crazy thing. There's two couples here who did Cairns to Melbourne. Oh, my, that's a long way to ride a bike. <laughs> that is a long <laughs> way to ride a bike. You look up and go, hang on, did I just hear that right? And it's just like, yes, we did. Yeah, yeah. Took them over a month, apparently. Wow, that's impressive. That's incredibly impressive. Yeah. Now, uh, Bruce, um, so you're doing, this, uh, you, you, you're doing this ride this time for the first time. Uh, yeah, getting yep. sore legs. Uh, how's, the, um, how's the fitness level holding in there? Yeah, look, the, okay, when I was with the, um, the fast group, um, not so crash hot. <laughs> but now, now that I find my right click, right groove, now it's doing well. Um, I had had a bit of slight technical problems with my bike, but we think we've fixed that up. And just in case anyone's interested, we fixed that with a bit of sandpaper. So, you know. Nice. nice. Team work for them. We can work for me on my bike. So, yeah, yeah. So my feet was falling down. And um, is there, so has there been any other major... Sorry. Yeah, we had a big bracket break. We had a bracket break um, yesterday. And those people had to drive through to Wagga yesterday afternoon to kind of park because no one local had a park. So that bike is back up and running. So that's good. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so if somebody wants, if somebody's interested in it, can they just sort of, uh, you know, grab their, uh, their, their, their random, um, you know, mountain bike or whatever that's been sitting out in the shed for the last 20 years, pump up the tyres... Yep. Um, head out, join the group, maybe join the slow group. Uh, do you have, you know, can you, can you actually do that? Or is this something you're going to need to build up for and have a decent bike? No, you would need bike. to build up to it. You'd have to build up to it. There are some people on some other kind of bike. Um, and there are some guys here, I might do these guys in their 70s, um, 
who are just doing some legs. Like, you know, there's a guy who's going to come and do, yep, he's changed, there he is, eating a banana, we love our bananas. Um, yep, so he's going to join us from here to lunch. Um, there's a couple of people doing that. Um, but look, yes and no, there's also, like the Bible Society, like people, a group could get together and go, hey, let's do a bike ride for two days or three days, and we'll do it as a fundraiser for, you know, you could do it for a thousand different reasons. Sure. So one could be the Bible Society, um, and they can help with a bit of logistics. Um, yeah. And I guess the Bible Society, you know, they're going to have the network of churches, they're going to have all the contacts that, you know, they yeah. can set you up, and obviously they've, they've set this whole thing up, and... Uh, it must be uh, it must be amazing to you know to come to the end of the day, sit down, have a relaxing meal, and then follow it by a Bible study. That sounds like a just a, a great experience. Yeah, and there was a whole bunch of people who we all have the the one thing in common, and but we don't know you know I guess when you're with your own specific denomination or whatever, then there's different issues. But when you're with a whole of different groups. Common things are common, and that's that's really awesome. Mm. How many how many different denominations do you reckon there are, or is there sort of like nobody really talks We're about just, it? Well, just listening to different groups, I don't know. If you said there was half a dozen to eight, that sounds about right. Yep, yep. No, that's fantastic. We've got a whole bit of different ministers too. We have like I don't know four or five different ministers from different denominations too. So when you've, got, cool. when you've got uh, twenty cyclists that turn up at a church, um, and you say you're staying in churches. What do the churches do for you? Do they throw mattresses down on the floor or do you crash on one of the pews or no, 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 how does that work? We've got, we've, got, we've got all our own stuff. So when we stayed in um, Canoundra, which was great to watch the hot air balloons, but they've got a mice plague at the moment. So we stayed in the church there. Um, thank someone, the Anglican Church on Tuckley Hill. Yeah, they got mice. So we had mice on our pillows, they parted our hair. That was an interesting night to sleep. But yeah, we just literally just put our, um, our airbeds and sleep bags out on the floor and just find a spot. And they, all of that equipment travels in the support vehicles? Yeah. So we've got two trailers coming behind us with some spare bikes and spare tyres as well um, in case you get big mechanical problems. Like we did yesterday, we just got that bike off and the guy jumped on the spare bike. It sounds like um, a great idea. I see some of these cyclists who are obviously doing, you know, long-haul cycling and they've got, you know, bags on the front wheels, bags on the back wheels, bags you know, on the carry rack behind them and they've got all their gear loaded up and I sort of think that would be so hard. That would be so heavy. Yeah. Yeah, and if it rains, you know, it's nothing fun then. No. Oh, and what, what – okay, so how has the weather been for you this time around? Yeah, so it rained for about the last 20 k's of yesterday coming into town. Um, we got a slight misty type thing. The, the fast group t- took a different road in, um, and they got dumped on. Oh, wow. But if you were a farmer, so I was talking to a farmer last night, he's got his cropping, he's got three quarters of his crop in. Um, yeah, he's saying that there's a bit of moisture on the top, but you know, four inches down, it's, it's good. So he's out lambing this morning. He was otherwise hoping to join us, but he's got his stock agent coming out this morning, so he couldn't join us. So yeah, that no, was good. Ah, oh, fantastic! And if it is, is you know, if it just settles in and it's just going to rain for the rest of the week, do they? Uh, what, no, no. So right now we're overcast, but it's all high enough. So I'm looking at where I'm going. Yes. It's all high enough that it's not going to drop on us today. So yeah, it's nice. News. It's cool without being cold. Um, so I've got my arms on and I've got compression pants on. But other than that, you know, we're not in spray jackets or anything. So sure, sure. So that's good. So have you been a uh, – so is cycling, is this kind of your thing? Have you been a keen, a keen cyclist for no. like ever? <laughs> no. Look, we do the local um, triathlon club as a family, the four of us. 
Um, and that's more or less to do something that's fit and active. And you can do whatever grade you're in. And if you're there, you're there. And if you're not, you're not. But it was more a case of, if I was ever going to do this, uh, and then it was more the location of where we're at, maybe want to do it then. That's what pushed out the line, basically. Fantastic. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so you're doing and it this, this time. And you mentioned that you mentioned that uh, your family, you know, does these kind of activities as well. Uh, yep. Any thought of taking? Any thought of doing it again next year and maybe taking the family? Look, we looked at with my son, um, and we looked at it, and we looked at his diary, and it's just like, oh, he's got his sport carnival on today, um, and he kind of really wanted to be part of that. Look, I don't know. There's not that many younger. There's not school age kids with us, so there's no reason why a school group couldn't go. You know what? Let's get some year nine, year ten kids, and we might join for two days or three days, or you know, this is the kind of thing those school groups could could slash should be doing. Type thing. It's a great way of getting people together. Um, a common goal, a goal. Just you know, how far are we going? What do we need to support? It's a year ten, year eleven school exercise. Um, a great idea to pull us together two, three-day ride. You know, come and join us for two, three days or something like that. I think that's a fantastic idea. And what a great uh, form of education is in so many different ways because, yeah. you you know, you're seeing different parts of Australia. And I don't know about you, I cycle very rarely, but what mm-hmm. I do find is that when I cycle, I see so much more of the countryside and, and learn so and much more about it. With it. You're engaged with it. But also we're staying with local people, with locals who are feeding us. And so you hear the local stories of, you know, the price of lambs at the moment and this guy bought a $100,000 roller to roll his paddocks and up the rocks down. And I just went, huh? And he explained it all to me and showed the video. I went, would never have known. But I guess also that resilience building of, okay, morning tea is here, lunch is here, okay. Um, okay, something's going wrong, like something that's wrong with my bike. All right, as a group, how are we going to deal with that? So yes, resilience a- building is an important thing when you're outside your comfort zone. There's a whole education yeah. now. Uh, so, oh, absolutely. And I think there's a whole education that can be gained out there that you will never get in a classroom. And so no. I think this is a great idea. I'd encourage our, our schools, um, any of our teachers that are listening in, hey, think about this, join in for this next year. And particularly for our parents, if you're homeschooling or whatever, I know a lot of people are doing that during COVID and a lot of people yeah. have continued to do that, do that, then, you know, you've got even more freedom to do so. Uh, some people, yep. sometimes I find parents who are reticent to, you know, uh, like, oh, my kid's got to be in class. Well, you know, there are other forms of education, and this sounds like a uh, a great type of education. Get out there for two or three days, go and ride your bike, do a, be involved in a good cause, get some uh, exercise, fresh air, and just learn a whole bunch about the countryside at the same time. And just p- dealing with people and organisations and different groups of people. It's just that resilience building, which I guess is great for workplaces and all that kind of stuff too. Bruce Hopper, thank you so much for joining us and talking about Bike for Bibles here on The Breakfast Show this morning. Not a problem. Come and donate us at Bible Society slash Bike for Bibles. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.